We are doing a series through the Bible called Yes, She Can. And it's somewhat of a, I guess, it's not really a reaction, but, um, you know, over the years, uh, the uh, function and um, ministry of women has been put to the side or uh, neglected. Uh, and, and uh, you know, even, even in the Wesleyan Methodist denomination, um, but, you know, it's not only, but we've, we're moving on. We're, uh, we're, we, we ordain women now, which is fantastic, I think. And, um, but, yeah, largely because it's Mother's Day today, I think we should look at one of the gutsiest mothers in the whole human race in all of history. I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you're the gutsiest mother. I don't know. But uh, this passage we're looking at today, tonight, is um, often preached on during Mother's Day. But I want you to look at the text of the Bible, if you've got a Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, get your phone out, get an app, or just Google Matthew 15, and you'll find the, the, the text there. I'm using my ESV Bible, which might be a little bit different to yours, but the story is the same. And I want to talk to you tonight about desperate faith. Now, this is a woman, and she's a mum, and she has desperate faith, but I believe this is a message for all of us in the room. It's, it's not just a message for mums, all right? But I think we can learn something from this woman. And before we go on to look at her, can, I, can we paint a bit of, I'd like to paint a bit of a background, a bit of a context picture, so that you don't just look at her, but you look at what, what, what has gone on behind her to, I guess, form the person that she probably is the day she comes to Jesus. But have a look in Matthew chapter 15, at the beginning of the chapter, we see some Pharisees and scribes coming to Jesus and they are religiously, they're religious minded people. Um, and they accuse Jesus' disciples of not doing an expected norm, a traditional thing that, that they should have done. And, you know, and Jesus, the, the, whole, the whole talk about uh Chapter 15 is really about what's clean and what's not clean. And so the, the disciples are getting um, bagged out by the Pharisees and scribes for not washing their hands before eating. Now, in my house, we like that. We like them to wash their hands before they eat, right? It's a good thing to do so you don't get sick. But this is this the reason why the Pharisees and scribes were getting upset is because it was a it was a, not a matter of not a matter of being hygienic. It was a matter of being right with God. It was a matter of a heart thing with God, and they were they were performing on the outside clean, but on the inside their hearts were far from God. And so Jesus responds to them and says, and, and he says, people um, people don't get unclean by what goes into their mouth, but they are unclean. From, by what comes out of their mouth. So in other words, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and the scribes, you can eat whatever you like, and it's just going to go down your esophagus, into your gut, through your intestines, and out the other end. But when it comes to what comes out of your mouth, in other words, the words, your life, it comes from your heart. And 
your hearts unclean. Now, sometimes church folk think that um, when we come to church, we, we can, it's an opportunity for us to make our hearts less unclean than the week before. Sometimes we feel like we actually have the power to make our hearts cleaner. And the sad reality is, all of us in this room, no offence, but your heart and my heart is unable to be made clean by us. Our, our hearts cannot be made clean by us, no matter how hard we try. We can try harder to change the outward, like not swear as much, you know, be kinder to people, you know, love your neighbour, love your enemy. We can try all those sorts of things, but when it comes to our hearts and being right with God, we all fall short. It doesn't matter what colour skin you have, what, what, what uh, traditions you have, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what religion you, ha- you are, it doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter how much money you make or how much money you don't make, it doesn't matter if you've murdered somebody or if you haven't murdered somebody. All of us are in front of God with a heart that is unclean. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Jesus faces this woman that comes towards him. Uh, Jesus, sorry, Jesus is actually ministering in an unclean territory, if you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a scribe. He's in the non-Jewish part of town, so to speak, and he's ministering. And then we get to chapter uh, 21, uh, sorry, chapter 15, verse 21, verse 21. Chapter 21 is good too in Matthew. But he says, uh, it says that Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon or Sidon or whatever you want to call it. I like Sidon. And um, he withdrew. Jesus withdrew. He wanted to get away. But he's in a district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying to him. All right, she came out to him. So Jesus goes to this area called Tyre and Sidon. It's actually really interesting to look at the history of this place. Before we look at this woman, I want to look at the history of, of Tyre and Sidon. Did you know that the, this region, this Tyre and Sidon region, it dates back to 2000 BC. People from that area have been around. They've got history. They are, they've, got, they've got history. Like we live in Australia. How many, years, how many thousands of years history do we have? Like European-wise, not much. Thousands of years. We've got the Aboriginals that have been here for thousands of years. They've got history. There's ups and downs, but they have remained. These Sidonians and Tyrians have history. They are fighters. In fact, Tyre was an island before, before um, the, the, the township of Sidon was conquered by Alexander the Great, demoli- almost demolished. They used the rubble to build a peninsula from the mainland out to the island of Tyre. And these guys, they lived on a port, all right? ocean people. They were fierce warriors on the water. They, you couldn't conquer them on the water. Even Joshua, I think, battled against it, couldn't conquer them. Um, Sidonians, people from Tyre and Sidon, um, are brave warriors. 
yet they don't worship God. They, they worship idols. They worship their own gods and their own traditions and their, they sacrifice and worship to their own gods. They, they, they wouldn't worship God. But yet they've hung out and they've stuck around for that long. Did you know when David was, King David was um, building the temple, he, um, he needed wood and gold and all that sort of thing. Guess who donated all of the cedar and the wood for the temple? Sidon. King Hiram from Sidon had a relationship with King David, business, business people, you know? And, and, and he thought, well, David's God. I'll look after David. I'll look, I'll look after David but I'm not going to worship his God. And so he donated, donated all of that wood. In fact, not just donating it, but providing it and sending it down the, down the, the water towards where they needed to build the temple. So King Hiram, um, yeah, great guy. Great guy. Loves people that loves God, but when it comes to God, nah, not for me, thanks. Not for me. He donates to church. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you wouldn't see him there. He's that kind of person. Jezebel, she's another one. She's from Sidon. Jezebel, ever heard of Jezebel? Yeah, piece of work. Real piece of work. Persistent, persevering. She it takes a, long, a lot to get her down. The woman from Zarephath that Elisha um, provided for. She was one of these too. It's interesting that he even not just provided for her over a, through a famine, but raised her son back to life again. We never see this woman converting to follow Elisha's God. God loves everyone. And he wants to bless everyone. Right? But not everyone's going to go, okay, I'm going to follow you, God. And that's who these people were. They wouldn't follow God at all. Their town, in fact, the Bible, all through the Bible, there's mention of Tyre and Sidon. And the destruction of Tyre and Sidon and, and God's vengeance against the town. And then, so they'd get destroyed, and then they'd rebuild again. And they just keep, you just couldn't knock them down. They just keep going and going and going, so persistent, so determined, so desperate. And then it was about 48 BC where um, Tyre and Sidon ended up being owned by the Roman Empire. And now we see Jesus going to that region. It's a bustling area again. And he goes to that region. And it's not clean. It's not a Jewish region. It's, it's, really, it's really not. And we see as Jesus goes there, he goes there to withdraw to that district and in verse 22 it says in my version it says and behold a canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying do you know anyone from that region like you wouldn't expect to see them at church they're just they're just not from this region if you understand what i'm saying like you know they might put on a suit and come along but as soon as they open their mouth you understand they're not from this region or as long as it, you know, they're in their region, that's fine. And we're in our region, that's fine. But when someone comes in, you notice a difference, don't you? 
like we do. We're a smaller church. We, we notice everyone that comes through the door. But some people stand out more than others. And this is the most unlikeliest person to actually want to come to Jesus. She is a Canaanite woman. She's got everything going against her. She's a woman. No offense to the women, but in this time, in this day and age, in Jesus' day, it was really just uncommon for a woman to want to go to an unknown man for anything. She's Canaanite. He's a Jew, obviously a Jew. She's obviously from that region. And she comes to him from that region and she was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. It's really cool that she actually calls Jesus this. I know that um, there's lingo, isn't there, in the church? There's, we have our words. Um, and, and I've been around long enough to, to know um, people that sort of hang around churches. They get to understand the language. You know, they'll, they'll say things like praise the Lord or hallelujah or God bless or if it's the Lord's will, then this. You know, all these, all these little euphemisms we have in church that make no sense out in the world. But people sometimes can be in a church and around people and learn the lingo. And so she's obviously had this relationship with God at a distance. She's understood somewhat of the history of God's people in the, in the Old Testament. And the promise of a Messiah, a deliverer, someone who's going to set them free. And, and she comes to Jesus and she knows the right things to say. And she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. In other words, don't give me what I deserve. Have mercy on me. That's what it means. Don't give me what I deserve because I'm unclean. I'm from a, I worship other gods. Don't give me what I deserve. Have mercy on me. O Lord, you're the master. I'm not. Son of David. That's a term meaning Messiah. You're the savior. You're the one who's come to save your people. Right? And she comes to Jesus and she says, My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She comes to Jesus. I don't know why you going why you guys came here tonight, um, but hopefully it was come to come to Jesus. Like you might have come here for your mum, and that's great. All right, you might have come here to you know because you, you wanted to meet up with other people and talk, and that's great. You might have come here because your parents told you to come here, and that's great. But ultimately, I really hope, or your or your wife told you to come. I don't know, but ultimately, I really hope that each of us have come here to to see Jesus, or or if. We are like this woman when we, when we pray about a particular thing that is totally out of our control, we can sometimes get distracted and go to other sources instead of going straight to Jesus. And this woman, it's really cool because she actually shows us, she's an example of what it means to have desperate faith, like desperate faith. I'm not talking about just like, you know, you believe a certain list of things, like a doctrinal statement, and that's your faith. Uh, you know, I'm talking about desperate faith. Like you don't care what anyone else thinks in the room. You are, you are just coming to Jesus. Like you can be a blubbering mess and that's awesome in a prayer time to do that. 
feel free. You know, if Jesus is the focus of our attention, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside, it's the heart, all right, that he reads the heart. And all the way through this discussion, I want you to notice, Jesus is reading this woman's heart, all right? He's listening to the words, he's reading the situation, he's hearing what the problem is for her, but all the way through, he's looking at her heart. So let's have a look at it really quick. She comes to him with a problem. What's the problem? Her daughter. Her daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. This is real. This is real. And she comes straight to Jesus. Don't you hate it when the devil likes to play around in your house? I hate it. I, I, I like playing cards. And uh, I don't know if anyone hands up, you know what trump card means? If, a trump, if you play a trump card, that means you've just beaten the last card, right? And, and often when situations come in our life where the devil is at work, the devil is, is noisy, all right? Is it work in our family or is it work in our workplace or is it work in our own hearts or is it work in our finances or is it work in whatever? Often, when it's the most obvious, that's just the devil playing his last card. He knows there is a trump card and his name is Jesus. And this woman comes straight to Jesus and she says, the devil's in my life. The devil's in my family. He's attacking my family. And desperate faith looks very different when it's your house. Like, we, I'm happy to pray for you guys. I'm happy to pray, like, if, if the devil's attacking your, your house, Dale and Rose, like, we're praying. All right, we are, we are praying. And we send it around and we all get on the, on the um, prayer chain and we pray. But it's a whole different story when it's like your own house. It just goes up another level. Like, and you start getting real. Like, you start just doing away with the jargon and just going straight to Jesus and saying, this is the problem. You need to fix it. I'm nothing you are the master. And so this woman comes to Jesus with that whole mentality. She couldn't care less what the disciples think. She couldn't care less what the Pharisees think. She really couldn't care less what Jesus thinks. She just desperately wants what Jesus has because she's heard that he's able to do it. She's heard stories like, oh, I've heard about the centurion with his 12-year-old daughter. She died. I heard that this guy raised her back to life. I wasn't there, but I heard about it. I, I heard about how Jesus walked on water. I wasn't there, but I heard about it. And he fed thousands of people. Wow, this guy must be amazing. If he really is God, he's my last trump card. And so I've got to go to him. And of all the people that were to come to Jesus, she was the most unlikely to do to do that. Before we go on, I, wanted to, I want to also say that this is actually a really beautiful picture of salvation. You know, when she comes to Jesus, she says, have mercy on me. Son of David, Lord, right? That's salvation prayer. I, I don't deserve heaven. Please don't give me what I do deserve, which is hell. Please don't give me what I do deserve. Thank you that you're my savior. I make you my Lord. This is, this is basically what it is. It's a, it's a sinner's prayer. It's, she's, she's showing us, or Jesus is showing us, I guess, the model of um, salvation. She, he's using her as an example of desperate faith.
real faith, genuine faith. All right? And so she comes to Jesus with this problem, and she's come to the right place at the right time. She couldn't care less. She's got desperate faith, and she says, Help me, please, God, please. And Jesus says nothing. He says nothing. Is Jesus deaf? Has he got something wrong with his hearing? No, no he doesn't. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering. I love interaction. Jesus is not deaf, right? But it says, it says, but he said nothing, right? He did not answer her a word. Or actually, it, it actually reads in literal sense, he answered her, not a word. So he heard her, but he ignored her. It seems like he's ignoring her. And she comes to him with a prayer, and it seems like he's ignoring her. Silent on the whole issue. Why did she come to Jesus? What caused this woman to come to Jesus? What, what was going on in her life that made her decide Jesus is the only answer for this situation? Well, yeah, love for her daughter, yeah. But ultimately, she loved her daughter already. Something happened in her life that turned her from a regular mum to a desperate mum. The devil made her do it. The devil made her do it. When the devil is working in your life hard enough, long enough, your desperation level will certainly go up. And everything else that seemed to be important in the background, the people, the whatever, will just fade to the side. And your focus will be on Jesus and Jesus alone, right? She was desperate enough. And I believe at that point, Jesus saw her heart, right? So he remained silent. He remained silent. Maybe because he actually didn't expect such faith to come from this region to begin with. But he remains silent. And so, what do you do when God doesn't answer your prayers? What do you do when God's silent? What does she do? Actually, she doesn't do anything just yet. We see something else, don't we? But he did not answer her a word. So what happens is the disciples get into that. They notice Jesus doesn't respond. Jesus doesn't answer her prayer. So they kind of assume that Jesus just doesn't want to do anything in her life for her at all. And so they say to Jesus, <laughs> send her away for she is crying out after us. Dear Heavenly Father, this is what you need to do in my situation. I just want to declare right now that you're going to do this. Sometimes we pray like that. We tell God what he's got to do. This is what you need to do, God. But we don't say words like that. We say, you know, if it's your will, do this. You know, like we give God a choice. And they say to Jesus, send her away. Obviously, she's, um, or what, what, did, what did they actually say? Send her away for she's crying out after us. She never said anything about Peter or Andrew or John or James. She was crying out after Jesus, but the disciples are like, nah, she's crying out after her. We're with, we're with Jesus, you know. They got it all wrong. 
Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't get upset with them, though. What does he say? He says in verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What? I was sent only to the sheep of the lost house, sorry, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the Israelites. I was only sent to the Israelites. You see, this is really awesome because here we kind of see a bit of a pivot between Jesus's ministry on earth, between Israelites and the rest of us common folk. You know, between the elect, the chosen ones and the riffraff. So Jesus has just fed 5,000 people on the other side of a lake in the clean area. The chosen people, the ones who were expecting the Messiah to come and be the bread from heaven and all of that. And um, then he crossed over to this riffraff side and he meets this woman. And then only a little bit later, we see that he's feeding 4,000 in an area called the Decapolis, which is the riffraff part of town. It's not the chosen. It's the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And he's still providing for them too. You know, when Jesus sent out his 12 disciples once, he sent them out, he sent them out, he said, this is what you've got to do, but just go to the Israelites. Just go to God's chosen people first. That's all I want you to do. And then another time afterwards, he sent them to everyone. Everyone. And here in the middle of those two kinds of extremes is this beautiful little story of one woman that remains nameless, teaching everyone an example of faith that Jesus gets really excited about. But not yet. He's, he just, he's remaining silent at the moment and somewhat rude from the sound of it. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Was this woman from the house of Israel? No, she wasn't. How would she feel? Oh, okay. Maybe I got you wrong, God. Maybe God, maybe, maybe God, you weren't the person I thought you were. You know, people like that go to church. Sometimes you invite someone to church and we, we do our best, don't we, to tell them about God and then we invite them to church and then something bad happens in their life and they're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if God was the person that I thought he was. I'll try some other God, thank you very much. I walk away. Or we invite them to church thinking that we're inviting them to Jesus. And then they get disappointed with church because it's not Jesus. <laughs> and they walk away. And Jesus kind of responds to this woman and says, oh, look, I came for these people. So how was she supposed to take that? Well, I'm not these people, so I'll go home then. What does she do? She came and knelt down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And that's just such an injustice. Like, no, no actor could probably portray how she would have said that. But desperate would be one word that I'd use. She got on her knees. She just worshipped him. She's like, this is no, I can't go anywhere else. My daughter means so much to me. And I want to see her playing and skipping and laughing again. And she's not. And so I'm not leaving your side. I'm just going to stay here through thick and thin. No matter what happens, I'm going to stick with you, Jesus, and worship you. I wonder if we feel like that sometimes too. I might be in a pickle, but I'm in you. I might be going through some difficult times in my family, but you're with me. You know, like, it is well with my soul. 
not with my brain, <laughs> with my eyesight. And that's all well and good to talk about it and preach about it, but it's hard when it's life. And this is a real woman getting real with Jesus, and she just won't leave his sight. She just kneels down before him and worships him, saying, Lord, help me. That's the best prayer to pray. Just three words. <laughs> Anyone can pray that. You don't even need to say in Jesus' name at the end of it. Just Lord, help me, and you get the attention of heaven. And Jesus responds to that by these words. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ouch. Jesus is calling this woman a dog. We have a dog. We actually have two dogs. We just bought a puppy dog, Nala. Oh, she's adorable. She is not adorable when she's not properly toilet trained. But apart from that, isn't she just adorable? If you've met Nala, she is adorable, right? And she just keeps getting bigger and bigger and she's just beautiful. Her, she's got a name. We look after her. We feed her. She's our pet. One, once Sonia and I went to Fiji and we saw some dogs. No names. No pet. No vaccinations. <laughs> no one cares. And in Palestine and in, in this area here, and Canaan especially, dogs were just dogs. They weren't pets. Like, you know, maybe a rich person had a, had a pet dog, but that was mainly just to protect them. It wasn't really for a relationship or, you know, no lap dogs. <laughs> and, and these dogs would just pick up whatever was left. They'd eat feces, they'd eat scraps, you know, whatever. They didn't have names. No one cared if they died. And Jesus is saying that to this woman who's worshipping him. You're a dog. Ow. Pretty tough. I'd like to be able to, you know, come into bat for Jesus there and, you know, say that he didn't really mean that. Like he, he meant something else when he said dog. No. He's actually saying to her that it's not right to take what's meant for the children, God's children, the Israelites, right, and throw it to the dogs, the non-chosen, the riffraff. It's not right. And she says, yes. Yes, Lord, it's not right. But I can't help it if your chosen people don't like eating what you're serving up and they want to just drop it on the ground. I can't help that, but I'll take whatever you've got left. That's what she says. Like, it's such a beautiful picture of salvation, like I said before, because you can't actually be saved until you come to God, the creator of the universe, and say, I'm a dog. Like, don't take me out of context, please. We're not, not identifying as dogs tonight or anything, right? But we have to get to that point where we go, I can't bring anything to you my heart is unclean and I can't make anything good out of it. In fact, if I try something good, it's actually like a filthy rag. The more I try, the worse it is. God, I need your help. I am unworthy. That's basically what she says. She says, yes, Lord, 
Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She understands who she is and she understands who the master is. Okay, so it's a heart issue. And remember what I said before, God, God looks at the heart, right? We look at the outward appearance, right? We see a person and we see a mess. Like last week, we looked at Hannah and she was at the temple and she was a mess. There was probably snot and tears and whatever. And Eli, the priest, was judging her and thinking that she was drunk. But all the while, her heart was getting the attention of God's heart. And it's a beautiful picture because here, this, this woman, she's a mess, right? You could just imagine this unclean woman coming and interrupting the whole peaceful environment that Jesus and his disciples have. And she just doesn't care. She just interrupts because she's desperate. She has desperate faith. And then Jesus says, this is, I didn't come for you. I came for my kids. You think, you think you've got problems with your child. Look at my child. Look at the people that I call my children, the Israelites. There's a lot more than just one daughter. I've got a lot of daughters and a lot of sons and they've turned away from me. I've got so much more to worry about. And she says, yes, you're right. And I'm a dog. But I'll take whatever you have. And then Jesus answered her, Oh, woman, your faith is something else. Your faith is something else. That's amazing that a rabbi would say that to a woman, a, non, a Canaanite woman from another faith background that came to Jesus understanding who he was and who she was and he was just amazed at her faith. In fact, I think the, the, the King James Version might even have in there, O oh woman, your faith is so great, greater than I've seen in all of Israel. A similar statement that, that Jesus made to another guy, another man, the centurion, about his servant. And he says, O oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. You'll get what you want. You'll get what you want, right? Because she came in really wanting. She didn't come in with like, you know, cliches and she came in desperately. She went straight to Jesus. She couldn't care less. She was desperate. And she is promised by Jesus that she will get what she wants. And it says at the end of verse 28, and her daughter was healed instantly. Her daughter was healed instantly. Because she was desperate enough to go to Jesus. It's an awesome picture. It's an awesome picture of what desperate faith looks like. And who can have desperate faith? Not just the chosen elect, you know, respectable, decent church folk that wear ties and suits and put on their makeup and dresses and stuff. But real people that just want to get real with a real God. Anybody. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what faith background you have. It doesn't matter what traditions you have. It doesn't matter how long, how much you know about God, how little you know about God. If you come to Jesus and you're desperate enough for Him to be at work in your life as your Lord, as your Savior, and and come to Him for the saving and healing of other people in your life, then if you want it hard enough, if you want it desperate enough, you'll get it. 
the message translation puts it like, you know, puts it like um, a woman, your faith is something else. Your faith is something. I've never seen faith like this. How do you think it'd be feel, you'd feel if you're one of the disciples? You just told this woman to shut up. You just told this woman to leave. And Jesus is using her as an example for you of what faith is. You know, and Matthew's the guy writing this, one of the disciples. Beautiful picture. I love that about him. So that's a great story, and she's a great woman. And there's some great mums in, in our midst at the moment. But what do you do with that? What do you do with that message? What do you do with that example of desperate faith? So I want to I challenge us tonight. Think of somebody in your life. They could be with you right now. They could be somewhere else. But I want you to get desperate enough, like desperate enough to come to Jesus for them. It says, Jesus said, be it done for you as you desire. You know, I think when it comes to prayer and faith, it's not just a mental ascent of certain doctrines and ideas and beliefs. It's, it's a mixture between our head and our heart, going at work, worshipping Jesus. And I believe we can see him set people free in our families. So I don't know about you, but I've got a daughter. I've got a daughter who needs Jesus. I've got a brother who needs Jesus. Sister-in-law, not you, who needs Jesus. You know, like there's some people in the room that you're thinking of, some people in your life that you're thinking of that need Jesus, right? What's stopping, what's stopping you and I from getting desperate like this woman? She had no... She wasn't, a, she wasn't a Jew, she wasn't a Christian, she was, she was a pagan worshipper from, an, from an, an, an unclean territory. What's stopping you and me from getting desperate? Like desperate, desperate. Now I don't mean like emotional, like, you know, loud and whatever, but I do. Like if that's what it takes. Yeah. But that's fine. Like if you want to be respectable and, and quiet and not desperate, that's fine too. But just don't expect it to be done for you as you desire and healing instantly. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this woman. Uh, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he came uh, into our territory. He left heaven and became one of us and uh, reached out to us and showed us what it meant to uh, live for you and to honor you. And he also made it possible for us to have a clean heart. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, you've given your son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can have a clean heart. Your Holy Spirit poured out in our hearts. Um, but Lord, maybe um, there's some people here, even here tonight, Lord, that they're not, they're not with you. They're not signed up to you. They're not, they don't have a clean heart. And maybe they've been trying. But So Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for them, and I thank you that you love them. Even people that might be listening to this message later on, I thank you that you love them and that you sent Jesus for them. You entered into our territory. You came to our region, and you became one of us, and you lived perfectly, and you died our death for our sin. Thank you for that. But God, we just 
we just want to desperately come to you tonight, Lord Jesus, and see you who you are, for who you are, knowing who we are. Uh, we're saved by grace. We don't bring anything. We bring our hearts, and that's really not much. But we come to you in desperation, Lord, for the people in our families, God. We need you to work in our lives. We need you to work in their lives. We need you to set them free. We want you to set them free, God. We want you to encounter them, God, on the road, in their workplace, in their family, in their quiet time, God, in their, in their wandering away from you, God. Would you interact with them and reveal yourself to them? We thank you that we know them. We thank you that we're related to them. We've had a history with them. We thank you, God, that you know them way more and you have a greater history with them. We thank you that you are able to heal and save and deliver. We pray, Lord, as we bring them to you, God, have your way. Feel free to be silent. Feel free to throw things our way that don't make sense. Test our faith, we pray. Help us to trust you and worship you through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.